Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Hope everyone had a great weekend and maybe spent some time tonight watching the national championship game between Ohio State and Alabama. But we're going to talk some USC football on this podcast, as we always do. And today we have the coach, Harvey Hyde, breaking down, giving his opinions on what's going on in Trojan land with Trojan football. A bunch of different topics to go over today, and we'll answer your questions at the end, and if you have any questions for us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail or a text message. We'd be happy to play it or read it on the air and give your th- our thoughts on what your topic is. Also, if you have an Apple podcasting app, please subscribe to the Parastyle Podcast. Leave a five-star rating and any kind of review that has your comments, feedback, suggestions, any questions you have. We'll bump it right up to the top of the list. And right at the top of our list is the Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing, sir? Buddy, I'm doing great. How can it get any better? I don't know where you're listening, but in California here, it is absolutely beautiful. It's a beautiful day here with the sun out and uh, everything's, uh, I hope, uh, well for you listeners out there. And if you're fighting the virus, uh, just get tough fourth and one, make a goal line stand and everything will be all right. So uh, be positive and, uh, and uh, just, just, I know it's, it's a tough time for all of us, it's, but it's winning and losing and you got to be a winner. So get it done out there. But Ryan, what a great week uh, it's been or two weeks as far as college football and NFL football. It sort of is like a coaching seminar to me. I love watching them. Yeah, and it's going to be you know the end of the college football season. It was a weird one for sure in 2020. We're hoping 2021 will be a little bit more, quote, normal. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. If you happen to listen to this before the game tonight, I hope you enjoyed it or, or you will enjoy it. And if you've already seen the game, hope you did enjoy it. I'm looking forward to watching that one as well. There's a bunch of you know small newsy items we want to go over first, and then uh, we will get to your questions uh, in the second part of the show. But one of the things that came across this morning is uh, the College Football Hall of Fame, um, and Carson Palmer is going to be inducted. So he was named to the 2021 College Football Hall of Fame class. It's a 13-person class. He's actually the 45th inductee with USC ties, 34 former players, um, and there's been a Trojan elected into the Hall of Fame, 14 of the last 22 years, so the induction will be December 7th, so quite a while from now, but it's in uh, New York City, and then he'll be, that's, uh, it's a dinner there, and then he'll be enshrined to the hall uh, in Atlanta, so uh, cool stuff there, Um, there's some interesting names uh, that are going in, uh, like Tony Romo uh, is going in, Uh, CJ Spiller, who's a Clemson running back, who was reported, like I think some reporters had him going to USC back when he um, uh, you know, when he committed uh, out of high school, Darren Sproles, you might know from the NFL, Aaron Taylor, who happens to be a friend of mine, Notre Dame offensive tackle. And, uh, they're the ones that do, uh, the Joe Moore award, the offensive line. He's the one that started that. 
uh, the offensive uh, line award. So very cool that, um, you know, a buddy of mine uh, was able to uh, make it into the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, so it's the, yeah, the Joe Moore Award is the one. It's the full team award that's like 300-pound statue you get for offensive linemen. Um, but anyway, some cool names. And Bob Stoops is another one that it's going in there. Um, so cool stuff. Uh, congratulations to uh, Carson Palmer and the rest of the inductees. But any thoughts on that one, Coach? I think it's an honor. I think it's great to have a, a player that played for your uh, university or who you coached or whatever reach the highest level of what they did as far as in the NFL Hall of Fame or the College Football Hall of Fame or the High School Hall of Fame or their school's Hall of Fame. I think it's an honor as far as uh, being uh, acknowledged for what you've done on and off the field. And I think it's great. Congratulations to Carson Palmer. Yeah. Congrats to Carson Palmer. Um, obviously a Heisman trophy winner back in 2002 and, uh, wish him all the best. We have, uh, some other news. Um, Jalen McKenzie, USC's, uh, starting right tackle for the whole year. I believe he has 20 starts in his career, 30 games as a Trojan. He is going to return. Um, he said, although he put on social media, although 2020 presented new memories and new opportunities, the chance to suit up with my brothers and work towards our championship goal is the dream I decide to chase at this moment. Uh, I look forward to earning my degree in the coming months and taking the field with my Trojan brothers again this fall. Any thoughts on uh, Jalen McKenzie returning, coach? Love it. Absolutely respect him for that. Uh, teammates coming back, having the opportunity to work on his academic degrees, whether he graduates or now or later or goes into his master's programs or whatever he wants to do. I think it's fabulous. I think he'll become a better football player and uh, get coached up and have a lot of fun with a lot of his friends and have great memories. Congratulations to him. I'm really proud of these type of the guys. These are the type of guys I want on my football team. Guys that want to play, guys that want to come back, not the guys that don't want to play. Uh, he's a redshirt junior, and uh, so he would, you know, he could play 2021 and still be a redshirt junior because you're, you're, you know, you don't advance uh, from 2020, and then so he could potentially be around two more years, which would be interesting. Um, there's also a redshirt senior now because seniors can come back and play. You might get some announcements, coach, from players that normally would have moved on. One of them is USC's long snapper, Damon Johnson. So he put on social media, first and foremost, I'd like to thank everyone who supported me and helped me along, along my athletic and academic journey. I never take for granted how blessed I am to be surrounded by people who truly have my best interest at heart. After many long conversations, I've decided that I will be returning for one more with my Trojan family. I look forward to running out of the tunnel with my brothers and taking care of unfinished business. So, you know, you don't hear about snappers a lot. And when you don't hear about snappers, that's usually a good thing. He's been a really good one for USC over his career. So it's nice to have him uh, coming back. Always nice to have winners coming back. And he is a good one. And uh, I'm glad to see he's coming back. I like just to start a trend of everybody wanting to come back. Everybody wanting to fight for the goal of, hey, we're not finished. We're not satisfied. Let's all come back and let's t uh, take another run at it and do what we're supposed to do. Uh, all right, so congrats to those charges. Well, there'll be probably more announcements trickling in. And might some might not be announced, but any you know any senior has the potential to just post on their social media like, "Hey, I'm deciding to 
uh, come back or, they, you know, obviously don't say anything and you just come back. There's not a big deal. But um, you might see a few more of those players making those announcements going forward. Um, there was also, now we haven't been able to talk with Clay Helton uh, since uh, the, the Oregon loss uh, in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, there's usually some sort of conference call like after the game, you know, the next day that we could talk with Clay Helton. We weren't able to do that. He hasn't been available to the media, so we haven't really been able to get updates on a lot of stuff. USC made a couple announcements. You know, one, uh, the promotion of of Dante Williams, given that associate uh, head coaching, uh, you know, a position. The other, the two firings, or the you know, one firing, one expired contract. Tim Drevno. And Aaron Osmus, the offensive line coach and uh, strength and conditioning coach, respectively. That was sort of a quiet announcement made after the news had already broken. We had asked USC for comment and didn't get any. And we haven't really been able to talk to Clay Helton. But uh, he did do an interview, a a long phone interview with uh, the LA Times. And, you know, there's some newsworthy stuff coming out of that. We know spring football is now going to start in early April. So they're kind of delaying things there um all the spring sports are are going on at usc now so hopefully you have a better feel for everything by the beginning of april when they're going to move spring football to um he was pressed a little bit on the the championships talk and winning championships and saying things like you know we were one game away from a a championship or one play away and you know it's just kind of just this generic term championships coach and, uh, you know, winning the, the Pac-12 in a weird year. I'm not sure if you want to um, tout that as some great championship achievement, but whatever. That's You know, he said they went undefeated in the regular season, what they did, uh, which they did, um, and uh, fell short in the Pac-12 championship game. But I wanted to get your any thoughts or anything that stood out to you uh, from that interview. Hopefully we get a chance to uh, talk to Clay Helton at some point, but we were at least able to hear from him through the LA Times. Well, I thought Ryan Kahari, the uh – the gentleman from the Times did a great job as far as formulating questions. I thought his questions were straight to the point and questions that people wanted to hear the answers of, and I thought he got the runaround. I don't think he got the straight poop, if you want to use that term. I think it were all general terms of, yes, we did, we did win this. Yes, we're going to get find ways to get better. We're evaluating the running game now. What is there to evaluate? Everybody knows what the situation is. There's nothing to evaluate. As far as uh, winning, everybody understands that you won the Pac-12 South, but is everybody satisfied? Is USC satisfied by winning the Pac-12 South by three close miracle victories? Is that what you call uh, satisfaction, or is it called domination? Is that what you're looking for? As far as the face of of the Pac-12 and uh, maybe watching some of the football that's going on now and seeing what teams are doing as far as to get to the place that they're getting to, the semifinals or getting to the NFL playoffs and what type of offense or what type of structure they're doing and all of the above, uh, such as like Ohio State in the semi-championship games. Huddle up every play, if you people noticed this, and maybe a lot of you have realized this, and the reason they did that is the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, Ryan Gay, thought that the last year when they played them, they were uh, stealing their signals. So they didn't want to make sure that happened this year. And, you know, that's things you do. So they huddle up. So you got to find out exactly what it takes to win and win at that level. 
and you've got to be able to be balanced and do the things and talk about directly on what's good and what's bad and what you need to really do. I mean, answer a question, not run around the block or not be specific like, yeah, our running game was terrible. I'm not happy about it. We're going to make some changes or I'm going to get my butt fired or I'm going to fire somebody. It's not an evaluation. It's, it's looking at what you're doing and how you're doing it and what it takes to win. And I didn't get that type. In fact, after a while, I started to laugh because every time the question was asked was more or less the same answer on every question. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of that. It was, it was sort of, it was politician-like, right? Like you're going to spin it to, you know, hey, you know, it, it, when you're asked about, well, these close wins and stuff, and it just comes down to, hey, we won those games. And then we were, you know, one score away from winning a championship and it just it just seems like you're not looking at the big picture like did you feel like that was like some kind of championship season I mean they were uh, yeah I I just feel like he wasn't being genuine coach in a lot of the cases well maybe that's the way he is I don't know Uh, maybe he doesn't know the big picture maybe he doesn't see what's wrong uh let's give him a break here and I apologize uh, by saying that if you're listening coach but obviously, you can look and see what's good and what's bad and what needs to be improved. You're the head man. You're the guy flying the ship. You're the guy that's, uh, you know, pushing the button. You're the guy that knows uh, and should know exactly what needs to be improved offensively, defensively, special teams-wide, the whole thing, and be in charge of the of the battle. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, if my art- artillery is doing real well, but my army that's on the ground is is getting uh, beat up and we're not we're not advancing then I got a problem so we're not going to win the war so you know you got to look at all this and you got to decide where you are and you you can't you can't be wishy-washy as a football coach you've got to be honest as a football coach that way people respect you more but you have people with great knowledge out there that watch a game or played the game for years or coach the game for years. So, you know, you want the respect. And when you're good, you're good. When you're bad, you're bad. Listen to Nick Saban and his interviews. I mean, my gosh, he can't wait to get to the locker room to tell his team how bad they were, how good they were, or get back and have a staff meeting to find out why this happened. you got to be honest with people. And that way people respect you more because you're seeing what they're seeing. People that know the game. And I always feel that people that have a passion for the game know the game. And you can't continually tell them how proud you are of what you just did and the kids and we're the best and we're getting better, we're evaluating it, we're getting better every year. I don't know if you're getting better every year. I can't realistically say that. Uh, how he can say we're getting better every year is by what what gauge or what is he looking at? By miracle wins? By winning the Pac-12 South? By turning down a bowl game, by not going to a bowl game. Look at the Cleveland Browns yesterday with their victory. They didn't practice all week. <laughs> they didn't go with their head coach or their offensive coordinator. And they won a football game. Yet USC came up with these excuses. They didn't want to go to a bowl game. They had injuries and, you know, they hadn't been home for Christmas. Hey, man, I want guys that want to go out there. I want guys that want to take the hill. I want guys that want to play in the bowl game for the memories and the rings that they're going to wear and all of that. 
I don't want to turn down going to a bowl game and play a team that their head coach got fired, be afraid to play them. I want to play them. So, you know, this is my way I look at it. So I'm not happy as a head football coach because we weren't able to do those things. And I'd be able to say that, and people would respect you. You know, it's it's interesting, Coach, when you talk about that, that that was one interesting part where, well, we were down, I think it was like 60 scholarship players, and then we had a couple guys hurt, and then we were getting close to that limit. And it was like, well, you weren't below the limit. And teams have played below that limit, and you're not playing that many scholarship players anyway. So it it just did feel like a little more of an excuse hearing that. And then the other aspect was, you know, um, you know, Ryan Carsey did ask about, you know, being holding yourself account- accountable because every offseason there's coaches getting fired. And when does it fall on your shoulders? And, you know, he brought up Tim Drevno and Aaron Osmus and really just Clay Helton said kind of read from the statement. Here's the statement we made when we we let those guys go. And I'll leave it at that. And he tried to press him on it. And he said, that's the statement. I'll leave it at that. And I mean, I want to hear about it. Like, you, this was the guy you hired two years ago. Why isn't he working now? Um, I mean, this isn't a problem, a long-time problem that you're fixing. It was a problem you fixed two years ago, and now these problems have to be fixed again. I, I agree. To, like, there there has to be some kind of head coach accountability there when you're always changing the people under you, and you're not changing. Well, you know, you hire the people, and you're you're supposedly supposed to know who they are and what they what they do and what you want in the strength and conditioning room. As a head football coach, you should have had experience as far as working in one, being in one, all the time to know what you're looking for, what you want to get out of those players that go in there. You know, during the off season, you go in maybe three times a week. You're not trying to get stronger. You're trying to maintain your strength and work your soreness out of your muscles and so on. And then during the season, you know, you're supposed to become a football player in there, not a muscle man or a weightlifter. You're supposed to be doing the drills of what it takes you to become a better football player. And as a head football coach, I knew the type of lifts, and I knew what I wanted my strength and conditioning coach to accomplish, not just hire someone and then fire someone again. Because now, again, another group of coaches come in, and they all have to become acquainted with this new style or whatever. And whoever he's going to hire, he should have a philosophy of knowing exactly what he wants done in there. I mean, when I went to spring practice last year, Ryan, you were there. Maybe seven of the top players were still running up and down the sideline doing rehabbing because they couldn't they couldn't practice with a what a groin, a, a hamstring, a back injury. I mean, where are these injuries all coming from? I mean, are they coming in the weight room? I want. I want people to get hurt in my strength and conditioning program. And not only that, I don't want them rehabbing during practice. I want them in the drills, listening to what's being taught in these drills. They can do the rehabbing at a different time because they can learn from someone else's mistakes or how someone else does something good. Good. And, you know, offensive line coach, there's a reason you let a guy go. And don't be afraid. Be honest with the people. Great coach, great person, or great recruiter, but just didn't feel what we got done, and we didn't feel we got it done there. But again, doesn't make any difference who the offensive line coach is at USC. It does. It's not Bobby Drevno, you know, did his best as far as what they did. It's a system. It's a system that doesn't allow his offensive line to perform at what exactly they need to do to be successful. And if if he's, you know, and he's probably not going to announce that. 
But just take a look at what they do offensively, and you can figure it out. You watch the semi-championship games. You watch the bowl games. You watch the NFL. Who do you see running that offense? Anywhere in the teams that are playing today or yesterday or last weekend. I haven't seen one. So there's a reason for why those teams are playing. Yeah. We got one last uh, little topic for you, Coach. Um, a friend of our, a friend of ours, uh, Marshall Sherrington, actually just is going to be hired by USC uh, this week, or he was hired by USC. We broke this on Friday in the war room. So he was um, the director of recruiting strategy at Cal for the last three years, and USC created a position, the same one, director of recruiting strategy, and Marshall will be taking uh, that over. So he's uh, originally from the state of Washington. And was a student intern way back, uh, I think, yeah, like six, seven years ago when he was uh, for for Scout.com when we were with Scout. He worked with Brandon Huffman. And then when he was coming to USC as a student, Brandon and those guys hooked him up with me and he started interning for our site. So he worked on USCfootball.com. But that didn't last very long because he became a student manager and wanted to work directly with the football team instead of covering the football team. So he started doing that and obviously stopped. Uh, writing for us. And a few years ago, uh, Cal hired him, uh, Justin Wilcox there, and he's been doing a great job. They signed a top 25 class for the first time since 2011. They got a bunch of four-star prospects in there. He's built a real pipeline uh, into Arizona, sucking out some of the talent away from Arizona State and Arizona. And even Miller Moss, USC's uh, star quarterback signee, said that Marshall was a huge reason why uh, Cal was high on his list and the leader at one point during his recruitment. He said he's without a doubt one of the best in the business and recruits on the basis of relationships, which is huge in my mind. So he said he can't wait to see what he's able to do for USC staff. So congrats to uh, Marshall, our former USCfootball.com writer. And uh should be a little boost for USC, maybe not more than a little, bigger boost for USC's recruiting efforts as they build out that support staff that really was lacking uh, when when Mike Bone took over, and that, that's one of those areas they've tried to address, Coach, really building that out and having more support uh, for the football program and recruiting efforts. Well, I congratulate him. I do. He started at the bottom, and I think when you start at the bottom, you learn the best way. You, I've always said a coach is a better football coach when he's coached on all levels, yeah, the high school level, the junior college level, the college level, and all of the above because he understands the programs and the coaches respect you more as far as how you got where you are. Not all of a sudden you were someone's son, so all of a sudden you're an offensive coordinator. I mean, that didn't uh, impress me at all. I mean, I think that if you work your way up to the, uh, the, 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 the ways it's supposed to be done or used to be done, you have more relationships, you have better support from your high school coaches because they see it can be done in all your other areas of uh, – of evaluation by the people that you work with. So I'm happy that he's been able to work his way up towards that. But again, I'll go back to the same old thing. It's great that he creates the relationships with the players, but what brings players to your university is your football coaches, success that your teams have, graduation rate, and your head football coach. I'm going to tell you right now, players now go where they feel they want to play for that football coach or that football uh, program. And that's where the great ones go. And again, now, right now, currently, uh, looking at USC, USC should recruit itself. I mean, just being the tradition, you hear everybody talking about 
Uh, I had uh, I, re- I I interviewed last week on one of my other shows. Uh, you know him, uh, Joey Kaufman. He used to be at practice every day. Yeah. He's now the beat reporter. You know, beat reporter for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And he goes every practice when he can. Obviously, he can't this year, but he did last year. He's going to the national championship game and so on. And he basically said it. I said, what's the impression of the Pac-12 and USC in the Midwest? And he's, well, well, coach, uh, it's, it's a little different uh, because it's not the face of the program. USC should be the face of the program. It speaks for the Pac-12. And 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 he notices the difference, and of course, football is a little bit more important back there. As far as there's, you know, in Ohio, it's the biggest and only major university in the entire state. But you know, you like to get other people's opinions, and I asked him those questions when I had him on, and he's a wonderful kid. But uh, he's been now seeing a different type of program, and uh, I think that that uh, you know that's what coaches are supposed to do at the same time too find out what they're doing that I'm not doing. And it starts with the head man. And congratulations to this, this young man. I'm, I hope he comes in and does a great job of recruiting to a tremendous university. All right. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer your questions. Back in a minute. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code Odyssey. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We've got a few questions to get to for the coach, and we'll wrap up the show. Ray in Pasadena has a question about the offensive coordinator. Coach, he said, uh, for the staff of the USC podcast, I see Coach Harrell maybe in the mix for a head coaching position at different universities. Uh, I say, great, go. Let's get a more seasoned coach who runs offenses like Alabama and Ohio State's. Then maybe when you... You people critique the game. There won't be so much negativity. Ray in Pasadena, his name did come up for the Boise State uh, job, but they hired Avalos from Oregon. So uh, I I haven't heard his name come up again. He was associated with the Utah State uh, head coaching job at one point. Uh, But it seems like, at least as of now, Graham Harrell will be sticking around. But any thoughts on what Ray in Pasadena said, Coach? Yeah, a lot of those rumors, you're trying to get a pay raise, okay? Uh, You know, your agent's out there, and he's letting everybody know that you're up for a coaching job, so uh, people think that you're going to leave, and all of a sudden you get a pay raise or a new title. There's no question in my mind that Williams, the defensive back coach, when he got associate head coaching position, the position that you just mentioned, 
uh, or we did last week or whatever. There's no question people are talking to him as far as a, another position somewhere. He's a great, great, great recruiter, great coach, and now he's the associate head coach. And that was a true, that's a true fact. Uh, I can believe that 100%. Uh, I used to, uh, <laughs> funny, uh, you know, funny thing to talk about. Maybe I'll tell you sort of a funny story. Uh, when I was, when we were <laughs> coaching in our days, we always tried to promote guys and tell guys, uh, other coaches that were calling in as far as to hire somebody, the guys weren't any good. We were always telling him he's a great coach. You really ought to hire him. I, tell you, I hate to lose him because I can't afford him. But if you could get him as your head coach, or if you could put him on your staff, I think it'll be awesome. But you never want to lose a real winner. So uh, it's amazing. So when a coach used to call me sometimes to uh, recommend a coach, I'd say, you trying to get rid of him? Or can he really coach? Uh, or what's the deal? Because, you know, you got to, you know, uh, I just I just don't believe in his philosophy, okay? I'm not saying he's not a nice person, but I'm not an air raid guy. I'm a physical guy. Do you see what the Rams did to Seattle because they played so physical? What did they do to win that football game? They ran the football. They ran the football. They played physical defense. I mean, please. I mean, how how many times do I have to say this? You don't win physical championship football games by throwing the ball 50 to 60 times a game. You've got to be able to run the football. So I don't know what more I can say, except I was hoping he'd get the Boise State job, okay? <laughs> that That's the only thing I was saying. But again, uh, that would be good for him. So I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm just trying to say that would have been a great opportunity for him to go up there and have been a great opportunity if, if, if Clay Helton knows what he's doing to get the program back in the right direction. All right. Uh, thanks, Ray, for that one. We got Jeff in Temecula. I was just in Temecula. Um, great wines out there. Uh, but he said, potential moves coming. Hello, gang. I'm listening to the most recent podcast with the coach. And I had a thought or two. One, do you think that the athletic director is quietly making moves with the boosters to shake up the coaching staff? That might explain why the president and the athletic department and the athletic director are awfully quiet and not giving their glowing endorsement of the program. I do not think that's the case, Jeff. Any thoughts on that, Coach, before I read a second point? No, I, I don't think she knows, uh, uh, you know, what to do. I mean, she's got her own problems, and uh, maybe she shouldn't get involved in football. I mean, where she came from, uh, she wasn't very much in, involved in football, and and uh, I don't think she's a real football person. I think she's probably – I never met her, so I don't know. So I just uh, think that uh, she should allow people to uh, run the program or, or be involved in the program to know what the game is all about. Okay, she uh, and, and I think that's one of the greatest strengths of any administrator or any coach or any owner is to have people around you that know their area and allow them to do it. Now, I, I hope Mike Bone is allowing Clay Helton to make the decisions that are necessary in the football program, because if he isn't, he might give him suggestions, but he doesn't uh, force him to do it, I hope, because otherwise, who are these people working for, Clay Helton or Mike Bone? And uh, I, I think Mike Bone is an administrator and has a lot of coaches that, that are under him that he has to support, and he should support them all. 
So I think the responsibility of the football program should be the responsibility of the head football coach, and he should take the, all the uh, negative hits and all the positive hits. And uh, as far as the offensive coordinator should be uh, uh, either reprimanded or either supported and congratulated by the head football coach when things are good and bad. I mean, uh, we used to have a staff meeting every morning at 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, every morning during the uh, football season and spring practice with the staff, academic advisor, recruiting coordinators, uh, nutrition, every single person would sit there, the head of the department. And I would have an itinerary I wanted to talk about. We'd go around, and the academic advisor, I'd say, what's up in your department? What do you need to bring up? Well, so-and-so's not going to class, and so-and-so. I'd look over at the look over at the uh, position coach, and I'd say, you get that fixed, okay? And the first thing you do is going back, when he's in your office today, you call his parents, and you tell them exactly what we heard here so they know that when we recruited him, we told him if he would go to class, we'd help him on his way towards getting his degree, okay? And the coach would look, and, and I'd say, and get that done today. And the academic advisor would look and say, thank you, coach. I need your help. We'd go to the rehab guy, the trainer. Uh, how is rehab going? Are we going to have this player or that player or whatever? And he'd say, coach, uh, so-and-so's not coming in regularly. We want him in three times a day. He's coming twice, and he missed yesterday morning. I look over at his position, Coach, and I say, get that fixed, and why is that happening? You should know that's happening. Go check on him. And I'd go right around the room to every single position, and we department head. So everybody was communicating. And then in recruiting, I'm a big believer in recruiting. I would ask my assistant coaches or whatever, hey, how are we doing with that kid at Temecula? Uh, the offensive lineman, and he'll say, oh, you mean this coach? Yeah, yeah his name. How, when did you talk to him last? What's he thinking? And he would say, oh, I talked to him uh, two days ago. I say, really? I talked to him last night, and he hadn't heard from you. And I'd let my whole staff hear that. So my staff knows, hey, I'm just not asking. To, I'm involved. We're all trying to be winners. And when you let me down or let this staff down of all these people in here, then you're letting the whole program down. We're only as strong as our weakest link. And we'd all meet that way, and we'd always leave ready break, just like you do a huddle, and we'd go our way. And then the coaches would put the practice schedule together and so on. But communication is the number one thing in honesty and being direct and everybody knowing what we're working for. And I think this is the way I believe it, and I think this is the way it should be done. All right. And, but, yeah, just, I mean, a little tangent there, Coach, but – they're not quiet because they're making moves. They're quiet because they want to keep Clay Helton around. So that's basically what's going on there. Oh, um, yeah. They, you know, they, they, well, yeah, you know, they're getting uh, what they call uh, the pinching pennies, okay? <laughs> if you look at the big picture, they're pinching pennies. Yeah, it's a lot of money, okay? But if you're, if you're going to strongly endorse him, come out and strongly endorse him and give him an extension, okay? Then everybody would shut up, go away, or they'd stay, right? Or you come out and say, hey, this next year, we got to win and we got to do certain things. You put it all in the line so everybody knows what's going on. And you don't, you don't mislead people because everybody knows what's expected and everybody wants that. So why fool around? Be honest with people. I used to say, don't mislead people. Tell them the truth so that they know what they're doing. Yeah. 
The last part of his question was, he said, if Clay Helton can't be let go, is there a potential promotion he could receive in the athletic department to offset his salary? I look at some NFL teams promoting GMs and wonder if Coach Helton would be a better fit as maybe a director of player relations personnel. Thanks for all you do, Jeff and Temecula. I don't think there's any position, Jeff, that you could make $5 million a year that's not head coach. But, uh, yeah, there's you're already you can't be promoted any more than where he is. No, no, it's it's best to when you relieve a person to let him go. The worst thing people do is to keep an unhappy person around your department because it's reminding of, uh, you know, negative things. And you really like Lee. I like him as an individual. It hurts me to talk like this. It really does, but I really like the guy. But you ask me questions and you want honest answers. So I do. No, no. When I used to let people go, I used to say, now do me a favor, you know, sort of just take your money and go on vacation. And uh, please try to stay away because it's a distraction as far as to our players and our program. Yeah. Um, all right. We we got Jason. He says, Hackett era uniforms team. In order to right the ship with our beloved football team, it's time to bring back the Paul Hackett uniforms. Perhaps a change in uniforms is needed. Perhaps reverse psychology will inspire our team and our coaching staff. Jason and Hernandez. So those were the ones that had, I mean, those were not just, Hackett. They were before that. They had like the, the golden maroon. I like the stripes on the sleeves. I think, and then they went to more of that like kind of solid gold, almost like Nike swoosh thing on the shoulders. I, I believe that's the big change that was made uh, after Hackett. Well, I'd like to see it just be the plain USC Trojan uniform, the way it's always been. I, you know, I don't like the different type of trims, and I didn't see it that much this year. The normal uniform with the white socks and the black so- uh, shoes and and all of the white shoelaces and all of that. I like that. I really like that. And you know, I used to let my players spat their shoes. I know a lot of you uh, don't know what that means, but it's a term that they give them a little bit more support on their ankles and so on, and they feel good and they're ready to play. And the socks are all up the same level. And yeah, I like tradition. Okay, I like tradition. And if that's uh, more of a traditional type of uniform, as far as uh, for USC, I'm for it. But I can't remember the Hackett era. I, I mean, I, I wanted to forget it. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't think that's, like, really what you want. But um, if you look at a lot of those uniforms, so it was kind of like the Cardinal um, jersey. the like, But, like, like, Marcus Allen would wear these and, uh, um, you know, Charles White and guys like that. Um so they would have like the kind of like uh, golden white stripes on the sleeve. So it was like a band almost. And then it changed to like something a little higher up in the sleeve. And it would be like a gold sort of like, you know, almost like the horn from the Rams helmet, but just, you know, across the top uh, of the sleeve. So that was kind of the biggest um, change uh, from, you know, those, you know, those, era of uniforms to this one but i think they still had like they would have gold pants with a couple of uh, cardinal stripes down the side right. i think both of them right. still had those that. yeah but so it was just sort of like uh, the the uniforms have been really traditional over the years it's just that one big change was from like the stripes on the sleeves to like the the little band thing on the sleeves but thanks jason for that one um we have one last one and this is from uh, kingsley he says, is Dante Williams the heir apparent when Clay Helton leaves? Will he be the actual head coach and Clay Helton's just a figurehead? 
Uh, has Clay been reluctant to run up the score, relaxing our efforts until the momentum changed and we wouldn't come back? Thanks for your time. I enjoy your broadcasts, uh, Kingsley. So, yeah, I, I, real quick, no. I don't think Dante Williams is the heir apparent. If you're going to replace Clay Helton, you can't replace him with another inexperienced head coach. You need an experienced head coach, and Dante Williams would not be that. But Clay Helton's still the head coach. He's not a figurehead. Dante Williams is not running the program behind the scenes. But any any thoughts on all that, Coach? I would agree with everything you're saying there. I think you need to bring in somebody who's been a head coach and somebody who's been a very successful head coach. You know, the USC Trojan football job would just about be taken by anybody. I mean, you take the Oregon coach, you offer him the right contract. I'll tell you what, he would seriously consider coming down to be the Trojans coach. And that'd probably be the second best job, I'm just guessing in the uh, Pac-12 currently right now. I know Herm Edwards is doing a great job, and other coaches are doing great jobs. So get me wrong. You can get just about in the, anybody in the country. Now, you're not going to get Brian Kelly to leave because he's got a great job, or Nick Saban, or some of these people. But anybody else, you can get a, a Campbell from Iowa State. You can get the guy from Cincinnati. You I mean, you can get some great coaches who become very interested in the USC head football coaching position, because they understand what it's all about. They recruit against it. They know uh, the the uh, tradition it has. Hey, you can get some great, great coaches to apply for the USC coaching position. Believe me, it's, it's a monster. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Coach. And uh, you, you don't need to promote someone that you like that's never been a head coach before at USC. You've tried that. Just... If you're going to make a head coaching change, go get somebody that's really good at the job already, not someone you think could be good that's never had experience. So I would be, uh, yeah, highly opposed to anyone that's not an experienced head coach when USC hires its next uh, head coach. And Kingsley, your last point, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Relaxing after running up the, or be reluctant to run up the score. If you want to send that back in again and maybe word it a little different, because I'm not sure what point you were getting there. But um, anyway, coach. Good stuff. Uh, lots of little tidbits to talk about, and we look forward to keep doing these shows throughout the offseason up, up until spring football, recruiting stuff, team stuff, whatever, you know, players coming back, players leaving, coaches getting hired. We'll, do, we'll cover all that stuff leading up to spring football in early April. But thanks again, Coach, for coming on. Well, thank you very much. And again, uh, everyone out to get your vaccine and I uh, hope we can have a normal off season here shortly and have spring practice and get back into the uh, playpen and see everybody and talk about practice and evaluate players and get ready for a, a great football season. Again, I haven't seen next year's schedule, but I think they open against San Jose state. They'll have Notre Dame back. And of course, a uh, great season. Uh, not sure who the other, you know, who the other non, uh, conference opponent is i you know i forget off the top of my head coach uh it's like it might be like new mexico or something um but yeah san jose state and notre dame uh san jose state was a good team this year so we'll see kind of what happens there but definitely not the difficulty level of the schedule as we saw that would have been in 2020 because there's no oregon there's no washington there's no alabama so a lot easier than what it would have been for 2020 well, again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Be safe out there. And again, thank you very much for your questions and participation in our podcast. And again, remember, Ryan and I only give us our opinion. Uh, we give you our opinion. And uh, 
I don't know. We respect your opinion, too. So uh, have a great day. Be safe and uh, happy new year again. Happy new year, everyone. Thanks to the coach. Thanks to all of you for listening. This is Ryan Abraham, Coach Harvey Hyde. Hope you enjoy listening and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.